Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the general topic podcast which takes a topic and as the title says, Cast Views. This week, my very special guests are the awesome super familiar with the Wilsons. Hi, Josh and Amanda. Hello. Hi. Th- thanks for having us. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. The uh, the cutest couple in podcasting. <laughs> Had to have you on. Had to have you on. He's talking about you? Yes. Well, then the cutest couple of what? The, the, no, the, stop. I am the cute part of this couple is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I was okay. talking about Okay, it. 30 yeah. seconds. We've got into an argument already. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Actually, do you know what? Before we get on, I'm actually going to play a trailer for you right now. The Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast. You know that family whose house you hung out in when you were a kid? The house was a little loud and chaotic, but always fun, and sometimes felt more home than home. Well, that's us. We're the Wilsons, and we welcome you into our podcast with silly chat, ridiculous games, and interviews with interesting people. Like a spin doctor. The Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast. Welcome home. So I've got you on because I've been to the States. Uh, I've actually just been to the States recently. I've been to Vegas and I know the two of you are coming over to England soon. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity to discuss either some questions or differences we had between the two countries, of which there's probably loads. I I thought I could only think of a few because I keep joking that we're becoming more and more like an extra state. It's true. It's true. But there's still there's still enough there's still enough to go on. So the first one I was going to bring up, which is always it always seems a big one for Brits, is tipping tipping culture. So that's interesting. I was just reading. I subscribed to a blog called The Discover, and it's a travel blog, and it was like seven mistakes that everybody makes when they first travel to Europe. And I'm like, I need to read this. And tipping was one of them because tipping culture is very big here. So. Yeah. Explain explain your thoughts on that, please. Well, my thoughts, I think in Europe, it probably is more a thing. But in, in England, so let's get this right. We do tip in England. However, it's traditionally in very few areas. So if you go to get your haircut, you'll tip the barber or the hairdresser. If you get a taxi, you will tip the taxi driver. And at a restaurant, you can tip. But it's not then necessarily kind of expected elsewhere. And also, you don't feel like if you didn't want to tip or you weren't going to tip that you were going to be chased out the, the store or the restaurant, you know, and, and that's kind of the vibe that has we've had about America that if you don't tip, you'll be named and shamed. And for example, here at a restaurant, you might just round up to the nearest pound or something. Oh, but, my gosh. Oh, wow. whereas, well, but here's the question. Do you have more equitable salaries there right. for servers? Possibly, but I still don't think it's great. So I think they do still rely on on the tips, but I, I'm going to guess, I don't know, and I haven't looked into it, but I'm going to guess the States, you're probably far more reliant on them. They are. And so there's a, so we have a minimum wage here, but it doesn't apply or there are some sort of rules and regs for the service industry, particularly restaurant or food service workers, where they get a considerably lower amount per hour to, and then the tip, they're reliant on the tips. The tips are supposed to make up the difference, but mm. depending on on the person or the customers, it doesn't always. But yeah. there's tipping everywhere here, though. So yes, we tip. Well, I'm I'm forever like, well, should we tip for this? Always for always, I'm asking this question. I mean, restaurants across the board. That's just that's a thing that's expected for services. So like hair you know, going to the salon, getting a massage, getting a pedicure or anything. Well, we know what the tip for the massage is. You need to stop. And (laughs) uh, 
Um, but then, but every, you know, and it's amazing to me because even counter service, when you go up to the counter, you order, you take your food away, there's a place for the tip and a tip because I'm an American and I feel guilty. Like I'm not, I need to be tipping, but also they've done nothing but hand me food. I'm cleaning up after myself. I am taking myself, my food to the table, but there is, I mean, but I mean, do you tip in hotels? Like if you have a bell, a, a luggage person, take your luggage up. Again, I think it's less of a thing here in the majority of the hotels. I, I think the the plusher hotels, there'll be someone available, but I think here it's not it's not again as as popular a thing as it it's is. It's not the like States the Hampton Inn or something where they're taking your luggage up. Yeah, yeah. because that's yeah. the other thing I was going to say is literally it's everywhere. So the minute you kind of enter the hotel in in America, yeah, you've got the the bellboys who want to take your luggage. You know, when you go out of the hotel, so, so again, I'm basing this on Vegas at the moment because mm-hmm. that's where I've just been, so it's fresh. So you're standing in the line where the taxi's going to stop, but there's someone who will haggle it and they want a tip. Mm-hmm. If you want to store your luggage when you're leaving out, they're just taking it from where I'm standing to five feet away and they'll want a tip. And and the, the funny thing is I, I get into that mode when I'm over there because I, I think that's, that's what I expected. But over here, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't all those people necessarily and it just feels like it's more and more and 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 your point about yeah the fast food shops or the counter service um we are starting to see that here but yeah i kind of want to have the service and the food before you're you're expecting me to to add up to like 20 (laughs) percent well it's interesting because the the urban myth or the urban legend is that the word tips comes from to comes from to ensure proper service have you heard this no yeah I so I always now again I don't think it's might, true. It might be an urban <laughs> myth. But I thought that the idea for that has always been on the on the front of the service so that you ensure that you'll get taken care of. Like, you know, you want to get into a club or whatever, you slip someone a tip and they'll get you a better seat or or whatever. So You say this like somebody who goes to clubs. Okay, well, I've been to a club or two in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Literally a club or two. Right, 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 right. So I thought that initially that's what tips were created for. I don't know. I just, part of my whatever around tipping is I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative Christian family environment. And I had friends who worked in food service who hated serving on a Sunday because Christians in the States are very notoriously bad tippers. They just, and I don't get why or how that became a thing. And so that's sort of like what's tied up in that to me is that, you know, the, we, I I don't know. I don't even know how to express that. Do you have feelings around that? All I want to make sure to know is how many listeners do you have in the United States, Dan? Because last thing we need is for the Christians to be upset at us. They will, they will issue orders and they have their, their, Christian soldiers come and get us. We cannot have the Christians mad at us. <laughs> All right. Us. I'm not not trying to say that they are bad people. I'm trying to say that they are historically bad, bad tippers. tippers. Yes. yes. So, so hold on. So 30 seconds in, we had our argument. Seven minutes in, I'm cancelled. So, yeah. That's it's, right. It's, it's You're welcome. Good... <laughs> like I said, don't want to give the impression that we don't tip over here. And Josh, what you said is quite true. So I remember my dad years ago, we went on a family holiday to a place in Italy. We stayed at this hotel for a week. I remember at the start, like one of the, the head waiters, my dad spoke to him, gave him a, a tip at the start of the week. And this guy was as attentive as mm-hmm. possible for the rest of the week. So, you know, there probably is something there. It's just America is one of the few places that where we're going and I'm trying to budget. I make sure I, I take the food budget 
and I times that by 15 to 20% because I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to, you know, and 20, not, yeah. 20%, 20%. You're looked down upon if you do anything less than 20%. And you're not and here. And I don't know how it is there. It's my understanding. And I, and I do understand that I, there is a difference between England and Europe. I was reading an article about Europe, but <laughs> I mean, still it's outside of America. Used, used not to be a difference. All of a sudden now there's what, now there is. Um, but it, this was saying that it's built into the bill. Typically the service, um, service fee or the service tip is built, built into your bill. in in a lot of places, then it's not a tip anymore. It's not a bonus. It's just, do they have a separate line item for that? Well, that happens here if it's party if it's larger parties. So you will see at the bottom of a, a receipt that will say for you know parties of seven or more, an eighteen percent tip has been added in, or eighteen percent service fee has been added in. And then if you want to tip over that, you you can certainly do that. But here they will also do the math for you. So you, I don't know if it's like that here, but it's like fifteen percent, eighteen percent, twenty percent, and the math yeah. is done for you and. And I've seen that over the year progress, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, like we're just taking all of the work out for you, and then what I do is I I tend to just like I I land on the twenty, and then I round up to the like the next dollar because I don't want to have to math, and so I don't want other people to have mm. to math. So it's like, well, you get five dollars and forty five cents, and you you know for this table and that and that. So. Well, except yeah. for at the end of the day, especially if it's a, a credit card thing, they have to math if. I mean, you should just tip them a straight dollar amount instead of a dollar and cents. That's what I'm saying. Because they have to math to get their tip amount. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I round the bill up to the next whatever. I round the tip up to the next whatever. Edit edit that out. Yes. (laughs) Or don't, because clearly who doesn't listen when I talk? (laughs) We'll leave it for for, uh, (laughs) full bloody. That's the thing. So over here, yeah, you'll get a lot of places, as you said, Amanda, especially over a certain table size, you'll get the service charge included. But often, if it's just a couple of you, some places you do have to be careful because some people do end up double tipping because, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they've not seen that. Now, in theory, a lot of the time it says it's discretionary, so you can ask to have it removed. But you feel... Oh, who's the dick yeah. who does that, though? <laughs> who's going to be that person that does that? Excuse me, right. could you please take that off? So... My God, the balls on that person. <laughs> and what you mentioned about having it worked out for you, one, is super helpful. Uh, but two, is it's been brilliant seeing that. And what really hit me was a few years ago, listening to a chap, it was an English chap on the radio who was working in the States. He was sort of working in bars, etc. And he said himself that if the staff, the wait staff saw a Brit come in, they would all try to not be the person to serve that table because they knew that we weren't accustomed to tipping as much. So um, like I said, I think, I think it is, I think it's changing over here, but you wouldn't go into, um, so I've seen it now recently in like Subway, et cetera, where they've got tips you here. You wouldn't go into a McDonald's or a fast food shop and some places might stick a tip jar, but I would say 99% of people wouldn't even think of leaving the tip in a place like that. Well, in here too, even in um, like grocery stores, where you have somebody who takes your groceries to the car, that it's not unheard of to tip the people who are taking your groceries to the car. The grocery chain that we go to, so it's a very famous, very large grocery chain here in America in the Southeast, moving up to the Northeast, and the corporate headquarters are for my hometown. So everybody I knew growing up were all bag boys at the time, but bag people mm. who would bag the groceries. And even I think though bag people, that's a different conversation. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't yeah. know how to say that though. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Um, it, they have the big signs that say no tipping, but they would, people still try to give tips and they'll have to say, no, right. I can't take it. And so that is very much the culture here that we just try to give people money, which yeah. I, yeah. yeah. 
So speaking of kind of restaurant settings, that goes to my question for you. So I have a series of questions since we are coming over there. First of all, good to know that I can adjust my budget, that I don't have to tip if I don't want to. Oh, and you can ask to not tip. You can take it off your bill. Because I will be that guy. (laughs) I'm kidding. I understand that when you are at a restaurant and you go to give your credit card, that they don't take it away from the table. Is that so? And that's something I've got here. Yeah, that's really odd. Yeah, no, they'll do it at the table. So apparently you all lot think that it's like weird and anxiety inducing that they take your credit card away because they could possibly, I guess, steal the info. I mean, it, again, it's not something I've thought of just because it's what happens when, when you're in a place in the States. But I do find it odd that they take it away and then come back with it. It's like, you know, what's it's, it's like, is it secret? Is it, you know, is it? <laughs> Well, well, do they come the with machine. little machines? They come with little card yeah. readers at your table? Yeah, you pay at the well, table, yeah. But what used they do? What used they do? I can't talk either today. <laughs> but what would they used to do before you didn't have card readers? Did they bring that, that metal thing that's like shunk, shunk? Remember that thing? I that had, had to slip? use that when I worked in retail in the he 90s. Does, this guy's too young. He doesn't recognize yeah. it. But <laughs> what probably, they... No, I just about remember those. But yeah, I think they did. I think they did. That's That's weird. To do that at your table, you got to plonk this thing down and just like, grung, grung, yeah. and then hand them your your. It little... makes like a carbon copy of your actual card. It yeah, or, or the other option is, you know, most restaurants, they've got like a a, a till point where yeah. you can go and you can pay and you just you do it there and then. Oh, you go do it yourself. Oh, okay. like Denny's. Right. Yeah. Or we have restaurants here that only take cash, but then they have an ATM that charges you like a whole lot of extra money for a service fee because you're there and you're stuck and you have to pay cash. My question for you is, so it's, it's not strange to you in the States because you've come to understand this is how the States do it. But if you were in England and they took your card and went away, you would have great questions. I'm at the point now where I've been to enough places on vacation where they do it to think, well, that's just what they do, but it would be not normal or it would be not the norm. Sorry. If they did that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your question, yeah, they'll come with an individual card reader and even on that then you can then do the tip on that so once you do it will say do you want to do a tip yes or no and then you enter the tip amount but often don't like doing on that I, I prefer to leave the cash value because just want to make sure you haven't got your my fat fingers do the wrong amount on the, on, right. on the buttons yeah. Well, and what they do here too. So I know I have started to see more. The Swamp Restaurant here now brings it to your table. We have started to see more and more people bringing the card readers to the table, but especially with the like the tap cards and the you know people paying with their phones and stuff. But there, it it is weird that they take it away, they bring it to you, and then it has the place for the tip, and then they go back and they key it in themselves. And yeah. so you're always questioning. And then when you look at it on your bank statement, the tip's not included when it first goes through. So right. I never go back right. and check, but they could just be making up the things for you. Should they? How about we're to? just more trusting over here? Hell, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. I, That's I, th- yeah. I think it also extends the paying part of the meal as well, because you have to get their attention. They, they then take the card away. They then come back. You then got to fill it out. And, and as you said, Amanda, the tip bit, and then I'll make sure I write, and then I'm putting two lines to make sure that you can't add in there. <laughs> that oh, that's smart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, then they've got to come, and then they've got to take it away, and then they've got to come back, and it just feels like, just bring the card machine, I'll tap and go. It's too many steps. Yeah, no, they're trying to <laughs> trick you here. Yeah, but it's funny, though, because I'm thinking of all the restaurants that have a cash point or a place for you to pay, a register for you to pay as you leave, as opposed to doing it at the table, they're all like cheaper 
like the family steakhouse restaurant or the Chuck E. Cheese or or whatever, to me, that would seem less classy, less of a classy place. Well, I think that you're now I've offended the Christians. Now you've offended the Brits. This is good. This is we're doing great things. I don't know. It's because that's the only place I'm used to doing that is like at the old local Ponderosa steakhouse. Or no whatever. one knows what that is. <laughs> Well, well, I was going to say, maybe fine dining here is the same, but you'll have to ask someone who goes fine dining over here. Get out of here. You're always going to like plays and all this and that. So you're, you're Mr. Finery. Look at you. (laughs) I'm surprised that you're you're not here on the video with your ascot on. Oh no, that's, that's only for evening recordings. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So good to know for us, tipping optional. They won't take our card away. If somebody takes our card away when we're in England, then we worry. Well, hold on. I want to make sure I'm not doing this the white staff of England a disservice. It's expected, but yeah, you won't be chased out, and you won't be uh, you won't feel a terrible sense of guilt. Although maybe yourselves being American, you might feel yeah. Oh, they'll post it on social media around we'll here. St- we'll still. Oh, they yeah. will. The like the Yelp reviews and the TripAdvisor reviews are. They will. Yep. Mm-hmm. What about car services? So you said taxis, but what about do you have you have Uber or Lyft or these? third-party car services we do i i tend not to use i've I've not used them i'll be honest with you but yeah you would again that's the sort of service now you would expect to tip because Mm -hmm. it's weird i think it's a mentality thing so like the the hairdresser is taking time and providing a service uh, uniquely to you and the taxi driver is doing something that's saving you the effort of getting in your car and driving i think sometimes going for a meal just feels like well i'm paying for the meal you know this is what you're doing you're serving it for hundreds of people I think maybe traditionally it's for those specifically unique things where it's it's saving you the effort of doing something. Now, I know cooking, you, you'd argue it's that, yeah, the, the taxi drivers and Uber is saving you or, or giving you the ability to go get drunk on a night out and they're, they're doing you the <laughs> favor of, of, yeah, of taking you back home. Getting you home safely. All right, fair enough. Yeah, they can get yeah. it. Yeah. All right, but we're sticking to the restaurants now. I have another question. Is it true that there's a lot less pressure or expectation for you in any sort of restaurant setting, especially casual dining? Well, it would be casual dining to bust your own table. Oh, so to clean your own table. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, yeah. clearly, because you don't know what the word for clearing your own table is, bussing your own table. Well, we, yeah, no, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't say bussing. But yeah, and, and again, do you know what? This is so weird in that I did spot that. So first night at our hotel we at, at you know they've got like this communal food hall and it was just amazing seeing everyone clear their table and and I'm the kind of person I'm I try to be a polite person so I would have anyway but I just found it strange that everyone around me was doing it because again back here they leave it there and you know they obviously these places also do hire people to clean the tables but it's like you've got it on a tray you've got it in a bag just on the way out there are plenty of bins on the way out just just chuck it as you wow. go I, I can be in almost any dining situation and feel bad if I leave a mess. Like even if we're and we've got the, the six year old, which is another huge like stressor when we go eat, because, of course, he's a hurricane. But even if we're at fine dining, I feel the pressure to stack the plates or to gather all of the paper waste and put it in one place, get all the silverware like I feel I feel the pressure to do something, not just leave a, a big fat mess. And casual dining, absolutely. I, I will I will bus. Even even if there are places because there are places where they don't expect you to bus, but I still feel that pressure to do it. And it really stresses you out because we've been in those places where 
there are some that they come and they clean because there's not clearly not bins that you could throw the stuff away in. It's part of their service. And we've tipped at the counter or whatever. He really, it really stresses him out to leave the things on the table. I mean, I don't That's what I was going to say. Yeah, is it because you're a good egg and you want to do that, or is no. it that's what people do? It's socialized, right? It's, okay. it's uh, yeah, it's that he grew up. Okay. You know, we grew up. This is what we did. So, like, whenever we have a choice, am I a good egg or am I like bowing to peer pressure? It's always going to be peer pressure. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. just make that clear. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, and, and like I said again, I think it's definitely changing over time over here too. You could go to what you know you would say like a food court or whatever and you would see tables with empty like burger packs or kfc boxes etc now in my view the person cleaning the tables there is more cleaning the tables for all the people that have dropped all their grease all over the table so when i come sit down i'm not sitting in a puddle of grease rather than chucking the big items that like you said are just easy to pick up and deposit on the way out but that is an interesting one because like i said i just i just sat there watching and on my recent trip you know, these were, I won't say young kids, but they're probably like in their early 20s. But to me, they are young kids. They're in their early 20s who over here you would think would probably just walk out. They wouldn't give a second thought. But it, it was really, it was quite good to see that as well. Well, that makes me feel good because I, I think that, I think that we are less civilized people. <laughs> and so the fact that you're pointing out that they did something that, you know, was was a civilized, thoughtful human being thing to do, feel good about that. They were probably doing it because they, their parents made them do it when they were growing up. I'm sure not because they actually thought about it. But. And I think it does depend on the person as well. Like I said, I've got a bit of a conscience about me. So I tend to do that <laughs> sort of thing as well. Because, you know, it's like the effort for me to empty, to chuck this tray of papers and, and leftover fries isn't, it's not the end of the world, you know. Yeah. I think it's changed, but I still say, I, I'd probably say it's more of a thing in America. Yeah. Okay. So what about in schools though, growing up? Did you eat school food? You brought your school your food from lunch. I'm thinking about cafeterias here, and would they just leave the food in the cafeteria for school staff to clean up? Or no, for, from know. my very hazy memory, there there were bins. You would just empty it in the bin or yeah. chuck it, literally dump it, and then yeah, you'd put the dirty tray with the plates and that onto a rack, and then mm-hmm. they would just take the rack. That, that, I think that's the same for a lot of even. A lot of casual dining here, you know, if you go somewhere like a museum or like a zoo, mm-hmm. they'll have the racks where you just empty the plates and you just put it on and, and they'll then take it to clean it. But but yeah, I think it is, um, yeah, that central place where you just put your dirty cutlery. Yeah, we have we have those, those busing, busing bins. So, okay, staying on the restaurant thing. So I know that y'all don't know how to name cookies correctly because you call cookies biscuits, and I don't know what the hell you call biscuits, like actual biscuits. What are biscuits to you? No. Do you mean what are American biscuits? What do you call those? Rolls? Like the bready, spongy things. Yeah, that's right. Kind of like a scone, but not. What do you call those? Yeah, well, you, you could call it a savory scone. They're also like bread rolls. It, it depends bread on how they are. Okay. You've also got them. Um, they could be like dumplings to, in some ex- some extent where you can have them in your stew or your casserole but one thing that i've recently learned i think is that what you call pancakes are actually crepes that that you don't have fluffy pancakes that in other in in order to get pancakes like i'm used to i have to ask for american pancakes yeah to get the nice fluffy worth putting in your mouth thing as opposed to crepes which to me is a bunch of nonsense so you don't know from pancakes then? Well, he does. He knows his pancakes. No, he knows crepes. Okay. 
yeah, it depends where you are again. If you were at a restaurant and you asked for pancakes, there's a likelihood it's going to be the American style fluffy ones. Um, again, you, would, you should check the menu because probably at a fine dining place, it's going to be your crepe. Yeah, and if you went for a supermarket, they would be labelled pancakes. But if you went somewhere and said, yeah, do you know what, should we have some pancakes tonight? You'd be expected to have the thin, the thin crepe. So when we have pancake day at the end of February, yeah, it's those thin crepes. Then you stuck, stick a bit of lemon juice or sugar or fruit or Nutella or whatever on it. Lemon juice? Why are you looking at me? I didn't do it. Lemon juice? Well, yeah, traditionally it's like lemon juice and, and sugar, yeah. And then you roll it up. Oh, my God. This is like, that's definitely a holdover from like austerity times. All we've got is, (laughs) it's got, got lemon juice and sugar. Fine. Do it. That's like your, your (laughs) thing growing up the South, having a mayonnaise sandwich, which is just like bread and and mayonnaise. And then that's it. That's right. Now we put tomato on ours. We had tomato and mayonnaise sandwiches. They used to actually um sell, they, they might still do. There was a particular brand of it. And I can't remember if it was called Jif. It also had a very similar name to a cleaning product, so they probably renamed it. But they sold lemon juice in little plastic, um, squeezy, lemon-shaped mm-hmm. sort of containers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just squeeze oh, you got that. So, yeah, you'd get those. It was, like, heavily marketed on Pancake Day. Oh, that's so interesting. We put them in tea here. We do not put them on pancakes. Nor grapes. <laughs> no, that's... Not even, like... That's, like... That would happen if it were, like, an end-of-the-world situation and there's, like, three things left <laughs> in the fridge. Like the pancake and the squeezy bottle. It's like, oh shit, I guess this is what we got to live. We got to survive. <laughs> it is, that is very traditional. I would say probably most people don't have it. They would go for, yeah, the Nutella, the bananas and cream, um, but still in your black crepes. Yeah, the, the fluffy pancakes are, are American pancakes. Yeah. Yeah, oh. but you've had them, right? You like them? Do you like them? Oh, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, I love all the food. I, you know, I'm, you know me. I'm, I love my food. I'm not going to say I'm a foodie. I just love to eat. You're and, a fooder. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm never disappointed when I come to the States. Very rarely. Are our portions much larger than yours? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's insanity. The, the portions, the size of the food, and when I say that, I mean especially like the seafood. So if you come over here and you order shrimp, they're going to be tiny. They're going to be like mm-hmm. this big. Whereas mm. over there, they're, they're, they're like that, aren't they? Fat, juicy. You'll probably get a bit of a shock with that. But I understand that it only takes a very short amount of time for an American to go abroad and to get healthy by eating food that's not American. No, I know. I, it's it's really an epidemic here. It really is. And not just portion size, but all of the crap that we pump into our food so mm-hmm. that we can have these mutant shrimp that are really just medium-sized lobsters. <laughs> I think unless you go to a nice deli here, if you get a sandwich, it's going to be quite thin and measly looking. Whereas... um. I've had a couple of sandwiches over there and the like a Reuben and the amount of meat mm-hmm. that's in there is just oh, so it's unreal. I need to I need to get myself ready for this because although I know that it's a good thing, I'm going to resent someone telling me that I'm eating too much because that's how it's going to feel. Like you're judging me by giving me this tiny sandwich. <laughs> All right. Prepare yourself. Not, or you just order multiple things and then. Oh, my God. Well, I don't have to tip on top of it. I bet I, I, bet I can order two dishes. <laughs> If there's no tip. There you go. And then when they when they send me to the hospital, right, because I'm going to go into some sort of shock. Apparently, this is another thing I've heard. And you can uh, you can tell me it's true or you can disabuse me of this, uh, Dan, is that if you go into hospital, you should take your own pillow and pain medication. They don't give you pain medication. No, is this I've, true? I've, no, I've not. That's not something I'm aware of. 
You know, oh, this is the thing. It's anecdotal. Someone's talking about how they went into a, a hospital in Scotland. Well, now, this is, he lives in England. Now, I understand. It's okay. it's all Britain, though. And they were told that, especially for minor procedures, that since it's NHS and it's government funded, it's it's nice if you can bring your own pillow and pain medication. You've never heard this? No, I've not heard that. And and to be honest, technicalities around the health system, probably I think your your other friend will be the authority on this. So I wouldn't want to step on his toes. But no, I, I mean, you'd probably want to because the pillows aren't going to be probably of your liking. Uh, but I've never had to know. I mean, I've, I've fortunately only had to go into A&E a few times or be admitted into hospitals. No, I've never needed to. Bring your own pain medication. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I've never. Good. That's yeah. good. No, you'll, so you'll good. be fine. You'll be and all I, right. And I won't check you for an insurance card first either. So. Oh, man. I'm still paying off. I'm, I mean, I broke my foot two years ago, still paying off all the x-rays because I get this, you know, several thousand dollar bill and I have insurance and they'll do this thing where you can pay it or you can set up a payment plan without interest. And it's like, fine, I will pay you $50 for the next however many years each month because I'm not. And then, yeah. And then I just got through paying off the six-year-old's NICU bill. So when he was born, he was in NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit for four days. I just got through paying it off on his fifth birthday. And that's with health insurance. And this was one of the questions I I had. Now, I know you could probably do a whole episode on this. We often hear kind of like the horror stories about in America, unless you've got insurance, you are going to be left in the street. You You know, they won't look after you. And yeah, the story, but you've just backed it up about having to pay thousands of dollars, but for kind of anything from a minor procedure to, mm-hmm. to life-saving. Mm-hmm. It's not the best over here at the moment, but I'll back that up by saying the health system here is in need of help. It's really creaking under pressure from both, I think, numbers of people and also a lack of underfunding. But, you know, at least you could, you can Sort of just turn up at an A and E, and there won't be a bill presented to you at the end. So over there, do you? So you have to have insurance, and do a lot of companies provide that? And does it cover you for everything? Because I've heard bizarre stories like pregnancy is treated like a pre-existing condition or something else. Can be if you switch if you switch jobs and you are pregnant, the insurance company, depending on who who provides the private insurance, can consider it a pre-existing condition and not cover it. Also, if you had, say you had a chronic illness and you switched insurance companies, they could consider that a pre-existing condition and not cover it. We do. Now, there is what we call Obamacare here that was put into place when President Obama was in office. It's a universal health care. We have things called Medicare and Medicaid, and that's for aging people or people who um, are on disability, younger kids, can't work, something like that, which is Medicaid. Medicare is for the older population. And then, but there is now universal health care. But it's still, it depends on the plan you have. It depends on what your, we have co-pays or um, not co-pays. What's it called? Deductible. So if you have a plan, maybe your monthly payment is lower, but you have a higher deductible. So you have to spend a thousand dollars out of pocket before your insurance kicks in, or you have a lower deductible, which we have a $500 deductible, but then our monthly payment is higher. Okay. So it just, it depends on, it depends on the the private company. Um, I don't know quite how uh, Obamacare works. Is it through private companies that the government is contracted with or is it government? I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't know. We we are fortunate enough to have healthcare. The one thing that 
I understand one of the differences between the U.S. and, say, um, a place like England where you have national health care is that we can pretty quickly get in to see a specialist. Whereas if you need to see a specialist, you you know, it's a month, month long sort of wait list. At best. Yeah. Whereas here, if we, you know, they, they say you need to, you know, you've got some concerning skin spots or whatever, you need to go see a dermatologist or they're referring, you know, a child for, you know, like whatever. It's pretty, it's a pretty quick get. I mean, sometimes you can wait up to a month, but it's much faster. Oh, but if you have to wait for a month, people are like really upset. Hey, unless, you know, if they suspect it's something particularly bad they'll put you on there's supposed to be a two a two week turnaround for anything cancer related if there's a mm-hmm. suspicion covid has obviously impacted a lot of the wait lists mm-hmm. and surgeries but here yeah if you were to go to a gp first you've got to be able to get an appointment so i've ironic you said that about dermatology so tomorrow i'm going to have a couple of things removed from my back and i've done that because i've got private medical care at work as well and I've realized over the last few years I need to always try to get to a company where that is now that's not necessarily because I don't like the service here but it's about the speed at which Mm -hmm. you get it so my wife tried to make an appointment with the GP for me so here the lines open at 8 Mm a.m and by the time she's dialed the number she was already 40 plus in the queue oh wow yeah so by the time it got through there were no appointments left so they said you've got to call tomorrow because I needed a referral sorry that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing so we mm-hmm. thought let's go through the GP did that the second day and then I remembered that the private care I have at work they do an online GP you can speak to mm-hmm. your own one so I made an appointment one night got it the next night the referral letter came through got an appointment two days later and it's that that you know what's the key thing it's the speed otherwise normally you could be waiting a month, two months, even three months just to get an appointment. Yeah. You might then be waiting three months for your, your results um, or mm. your follow-up. So it's bad, yeah, in that sense. Yeah, so it's sort of the trade-off. I mean, yeah. um, you know, I am all for a national healthcare system and because it it is really prohibitive. And there are people here in the States who, who, I mean, quite frankly, die because they can't afford their medication. I mean, diabetes medication, depending on you know, what your, your carrier is, can be, you know, 500, a thousand, like on up. And there are people who just can't afford it, or they go into significant debt to sustain their life. So that's a really, really awful thing. However, I can also, if I have a sick child, pick up the phone, call the pediatrician and say, I need a sick appointment and I can be in, in a couple hours. I'm not waiting for, you know, 40 calls. And so, you know, it's, it's really, we got to figure out how to marry the two, you know, yeah. I think it starts with people taking care of themselves. Which clearly based on the portion sizes here in America we don't do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, First so of all, this, we this don't is, take care of ourselves. This is why, you know, there's these health systems, they're constructed differently, but they're both under tremendous stress, is because there's no concept of wellness in our societies collectively. It's just sickness. Correct. I think that um at least here in the US, when we talk about wellness, we talk about, well, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to address my depression or I'm going it's to. It's still about sickness. It, it, it's what I'm saying. Or in, in while those things are very valid and very important, that is a, it's a, a deficit mindset, not a strength-based mindset. So instead of I'm going to exercise and I'm going to, you know, be in counseling or I'm going to do some, like it's, we, we view it from a deficit perspective instead of a strength-based perspective. We call what we call wellness is really focusing on sickness. And even here, I mean, I think a lot of the problem is now a lot of people go to the doctor or even then the hospitals 
for really minor things which don't need to go to a hospital. You know, they're clogging up the A&E at a hospital mm. because, you know, maybe they, they've got a pain in the finger or something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit facetious right. there, but there are people that are clogging up systems for, for things that aren't needed mm. uh, because they just because they can't see a GP. So they're now going to hospitals because they think that's the, that's the only way. And it's, you know, he's just removing the bottleneck from one place to another. So I don't know what it's like there if you ended up in A&E there, but here, and, and they triage you. So, I, of course, you know, if, it, if a kid comes in and it's in a serious way, they're going to prioritise the kid. And if you've got someone who's life-threatening injuries, they're going to they're gonna prioritise that. I had five or six years ago, so it's even before COVID, I went in really intense chest pains. And I had a 12 hour wait just to be seen. Oh my God. So I was sitting there. So I went in at 10 at night and I was seen 10 a.m. the next morning. Oh, wow. I feel like chest pains would be something they would prioritize here. They did the initial test. So they, they saw, you know, that it wasn't anything heart related, but it was still okay. a 12 hour wait then. Yeah. It, it turned out to be gallstones, ironically, of all things. Oh, wow. Um, which I then had taken out two weeks later. I was just going to say, but then I've been. And I've heard similar stories where if, if you know someone's gone to A&E at night, you know that you're not going to hear from them for six or seven hours minimum because that's the, that's the way. And um, I compare it to when we were in America. I, I think it was Florida, actually. I can't remember which, which part, but when we were on holiday once, my wife fell over in the hotel and literally hit her head full force on the floor. Oh. As she got up, she was fine, but I was kind of really worried. So I said, no, we need to get you checked out. Yeah. So got into a hospital. She got admitted. And it was taking me ages because I was having to ring up the insurance company to get all mm-hmm. the authority. But ultimately, by the time I'd done that, three hours later, she'd been in, admitted, checks, results and discharged literally in two or three hours. And it was brilliant. You know, you couldn't fault it. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's I mean, post COVID or even we still have COVID. Right. So things are things are different yeah. here now. The wait the wait times in the in the the amount of care is is different than it would have been four or five years ago. It depends. I have been to the ER here for like really intense stomach pains and not being able to hold anything down. So it depends. And, and I've been seen, but I've also been on a gurney out in the hallway because there were no rooms. It's taken, it can take eight, nine hours. It can, and it depends on what you are presenting with symptom wise. But we just had a, re- a, a recent really kind of scary experience where our 16 year old is very, very allergic to tree nuts and sesame. And we're really good. She has, we, we didn't have a, an EpiPen in the house because she's, we've known about her allergies since she was five. She manages her food very well. We have Benadryl. She doesn't have an what I would have considered an anaphylactic reaction where your airways start to shut down. But we're also really good about checking all the ingredients. And I had purchased a pumpkin bisque from Trader Joe's. Didn't even check the ingredients because it's there's no reason I thought that something would have been in it. She took one bite of it and looked at me and said, are there nuts in this? And I checked the ingredients and the, the second ingredient was sesame, was tahini, which is sesame. Right. She immediately started swelling up. We got her some Benadryl then she threw up and then she was just really, really, really sick. And so I called, we have a pediatric after hours and I called them and they said, no, you need to go to the ER. And we have a free, we have freestanding ERs too. So we have hospital ERs or A&Es, but then we also have freestanding ones that are affiliated with the hospitals or just satellite offices or satellite um, little mini hospitals. So we walked in, we live a mile from it. I walked in with her. 
by the time I checked her in, they had already admitted her. Like she wasn't even admitted, but by the time I signed the admittance paperwork, she had already received the epidural. I mean the epidural that's baby. That's baby stuff. She had already received the epinephrine, which is the EpiPen. They had already, they had already treated her before I ever signed the paperwork because she did present with this, you know, like, so she walked in, like you were saying, if somebody walked in clearly in distress, but that was maybe a matter of 10 minutes. And they, I mean, they kept her for a couple hours of observation. What I've since learned, and this is my PSA to anybody with allergies, is that an anaphylactic shock is not necessarily that your airways are closing up. It is if you have two or more body systems reacting. So if you have gastrointestinal, if you have epidermal, like your skin reaction, two or more is an anaphylactic reaction and can cause, um, can be fatal. So should you have allergies and you know this i'm gonna break in the wilsons are not nor do we claim to be medical professionals (laughs) no but carry an epipen (laughs) is my point so yeah i mean and that was a we got into a and e and we're seen within 10 minutes but i think here it depends on and the waiting room was full but clearly she was presenting with a very um uh extreme situation but i mean yeah i i assume that it's faster but also post covid everything is the wait times are are very very different we have something interesting here we have billboards so like large signs that will give you the wait time for different wait for different emergencies and it'll say you know north florida regional whatever 15 minute wait time at the er so like this is a thing that they where are these billboards there's on I have not seen them post COVID, like since the since the pandemic. But before that, they were like they were on was one on Newberry, one on Archer. Like, are these are they posted in places where people are likely to get hurt? I I don't know, but they would let. I mean, anyway. So that's that's all I got for you for A and E in the state. Just one more thing on health before we go to another subject, because the, the the thing I've always found strange about American TV as well are the medication adverts. Oh my god, TV. me too. All the side. I mean, so, and really bad side effects too. Yeah. Like really bad. So just bad. to put it into context here, all you have advertised on TV really is general over-the-counter things like cough syrup or cold remedies. So you don't get anything like that. But yeah, the ones where they list all the all the effects and, you know, some that say potentially could kill you. It, it's just amazing hearing those all reeled off. To me, it's the slow motion video of the ecstatically happy families um, in all of these commercials, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. Everyone is looks just so wonderful and so happy in those uh, commercials, but really slow. Whilst the voiceover is saying could cause blah, 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 blah. My favorite is rectal bleeding. I don't need to have that. So, I mean, there are and now understanding that they have to list everything that has ever been reported happening when somebody was on this medication. So not necessarily are you going to have this, but they still have to list it, but it's enough to make you say, I don't want to take whatever that is, you know, my, my psoriasis or eczema or whatever. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to live with the itchy skin. Like it's really, it's really intense. So here you'd have it on a leaflet inside the medication, but yeah, you wouldn't hear it read out on a, on an advert. See, it's a very weird thing, and again, it just goes to show you how in bed our medical system is with Big Pharma, mm-hmm. because the, what they're wanting you to do is you get in to see with the doctor, and you, they want you to say, oh, you know, I've got this. I remember the name of this medication or this commercial, so please, I would like this. Which, by the way, I have never done. Never have I gone in there and asked for a certain brand name of medication. I'm just like, my ass itches, please fix it. That's all I care about. 
Well, and also we're a very litigious society and so people will sue over everything. So I think a lot of that is like, we are telling you right now, we're putting this in your face that this could cause it. Can't blame us. We told you all about it. That's right. Okay. Um, I'm just keeping an eye on the time. So is it, have you got another subject you want to talk about before we look at wrapping up? I reeled off all of mine. Well, I mean, mine is... And this is maybe not, it's not lighthearted, but mine is the prevalence of weapons in America versus, okay. I mean, I don't know if you want to go there, but oh, yeah, we can, we can, we can talk. About I have it, no yeah. answers to that though. We don't have answers, but that's just how different it is. So another difference, then I'm curious if you saw this when you were in Vegas, because I don't know what Vegas's carry laws are, but that we have here in Florida, we have something called concealed carry. People can just carry their guns and not have to not not have to declare that they have them um we also have see i work at a university and at the university there is a university policy you can't bring weapons on onto the campus however we've expanded so now i work in an off-site office and part of the concern is that now people could just be in the office with weapons and i mean they could have been before but there's at least a policy in place here. They're legally allowed to just have it in the office. So that's current, you know, it's constantly a thing that you're worrying about. We have just happened last week. Mass school shootings is a, as an epidemic in the U S as a former teacher, you're constantly looking at where am I going to put 18 kids to lock them down? We're constantly yeah. having lockdown drills. Our five-year-old does it. Our 16-year-old does it. Every day we drop people off at school and think, is this the last time I'm going to see you? Because we are in a in a society where this is a thing that happens. Driving down the interstate, talking about billboards and advertisements, we have things here in Florida called Machine Gun USA, fun for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And you can just go rent machine guns and like you would go to a driving range and play golf you can just go. So, I mean, it's, it is an epidemic. It is a much bigger conversation than this, but I'm curious. It, my understanding is that you do not have machine gun places where you can just go shoot them in, no. in England. No. So, you know, and I'll be honest. So when we were in Vegas, we did go to a gun range because it's just something for us that is so unusual. So yeah. here in the nineties, we had a school shooting at a junior school, like young kids. And mm-hmm. after that, all private guns were banned. So you used to be able to be a member of a gun club and you could have a gun at home. So that was it. It was that shooting stopped everything. And, you know, and I don't mean that sound like negative, but I mean, in terms of gun ownership. Right. As to know, you don't have things like gun ranges. You don't have, or at least not that you could just rock up to with a group of friends and say, yeah, we want to hire that flamethrower and that, that grenade yeah. launcher. So obviously, even if you are a criminal, you you can get your hands on a gun, but shootings, yeah, and, and the, the fear of guns is very low here. I mean, obviously, we do have a lot of stabbings. Knife crime becomes more prevalent, but it is quite sad to see, yeah, you know, that the mass shootings and the fact that you said, and I heard, a, again, it was on the radio, a British family moved over and a 10-year-old girl called up, said she had to do lockdown training, and, and they mm-hmm. said, what's that? And they said, what what we would do for shooting. And I think it's so sad that your children have to go through that. I mean, there's already so much anxiety and being a kid at school, like test anxiety in this, and we're throwing on top of that, mm-hmm. them having to be aware of it, the possibility of somebody coming onto the campus with, you know, and I understand, I know that it's, it's stabby there. I know that knife crime is, is, but I mean, the chances of surviving a stabbing are a little bit higher than surviving I, I think, a shooting. I, I don't think that it's very likely to hear a mass stabbing event. Yeah, yeah. Initiated by one person. 
I mean, it it has happened, right? Like on public transport and stuff. Like it's happened, but it's taken on very quickly. And the thing that just saddens me so much is that you're te- you're saying in the '90s, and we've heard this for many other countries, one shooting done. Here, yeah. I mean, if you look at the list from Columbine, which happened in the '90s, and somebody just posted this re- recently on socials, it just goes on and on, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and we are still fighting as a country for people to have their right to bear arms. I mean, when our constitution was written, that was, people were carrying muskets. Fine. Carry a musket. I'm fine with that yeah, if yeah. you want to just carry that around. But assault rifles, and I mean, it's just... Yeah, and actually, I think, I'm incorrect, I think it was in the 80s, actually, right at the end of the 80s. And yeah, because I remember I, I knew I had family members who were members of a gun club that they just used to enjoy going to the range and, and testing sure. themselves. And that was, that was police then as well. So you would have someone come and check regularly have you got it locked up is it is you know are you separating the ammo from the guns but yeah it was just uh it was a blanket there are no no personal guns now the whole america sort of gun control thing feels like it's it needs two or three episodes doesn't it to kind of go into it it's it's um an interesting view from someone outside of america i think well, and we we see that with our other British friends too. When we talk about it, it, it just it blows their mind that this is a thing. So Josh and I were talking with um, I think Gavin Belson about how there's a school resource officer and the pickup line at at the at the elementary school where the the six year old goes, and he got on to me one day from outside because I was I was actually on a work call, but I had it on speaker, but I was holding my phone. And, um, he pointed to the phone and like, was like, put it down, which I was wrong. I should not have been on my phone in the car, let alone picking a child up. And I kind of smirked at him and gave him a little bit of attitude because I don't like being told what to do. Karen. Yeah. Well, I'm not a Karen, but <laughs> I was, I mean, it, I was wrong, but we were having this conversation and Gavin just said, I can't imagine doing that with somebody who has a gun, like responding in a way where like, I know they could, you know, yeah. they could respond to me. And I was wrong, but also I am just so used to people being around with guns. Like it's like this layer of like, I don't even think about it, which is really awful. And it just, it makes me really sad that like to think of all of these other countries looking at us thinking, why can't you guys get it together? Because it's really, I mean, it's just really, it's very disheartening. And I'm, I'm sorry to do this to your podcast because we, it was no, much no, funnier no, no. when we were talking about dipping in restaurants, but it is to me, that's one of the major differences between our countries and us and the rest of the wor- developed world. I mean, we are the only country who is fighting for, you know, Joe Smith's ability to carry a gun at the expense mm. of the lives of our children. As an outsider, I think that's to me is what the fascinating element is, is that it is a country divided by that. So it's not that three quarters or, or, or the majority say, yeah, we, we all want guns and it's not, 99% saying we don't want it it's the fact that it is still even to this day such a almost like it feels like evenly divided kind of conversation about do we do we want them or not and I think that's to me is the the element that I'm I'm still surprised by and at the heart of all of it is a multi-million dollar effort by the gun companies let's not kid yeah. Yeah. let's yeah. not kid you know if there's a divided sentiment it's because that it the certain portion that really wants guns have been inflamed to the detriment of our society, but to the benefit of the, the bank account of these companies. 
by these companies. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the same the same issue with big pharma and in our, our medical industry and people not being able to afford their medication. So it all comes down to who's going to be able to line their pockets. Well, and to be, if if we're gonna take it that far, it's also the reason why tipping is such a thing. Again, you know, the big companies or even the small companies, our system is set up so that you can't run a restaurant and make any sort of money or stay in business unless you screw your servers. You can't. So go capitalism. Um, That being said, we're looking to rehome ourselves. Should any country want to let us in? But this is funny. I remember saying it in our chat, though, it's like almost like I'd love to kind of relocate. I think the grass is always greener. I think there's always an element of that. Yes, America, a fun place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live here. Well, time for, because I'm just keeping on time, time for a bit of a clunky gear change. So having <laughs> gone for that. But I do just want to scoop back very quickly to the food thing, because there's something that stays in my mind about, you said about the food portion. And the story I've got that will typify this about the difference was, Years ago, was in New York, and we went to this pizzeria, and I love pizza. My eyes are always bigger than my stomach, as they say. And me and me, and she was my partner at the time. We said, "Can we have a pizza each, a large pizza each?" And the, the waitress, <laughs> she clocked. Well, she clocked our accent. She goes, "Are you from England?" We said, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah, you might want to reconsider that." She goes, "Have a look at that person over there. That's a large pizza." We looked over, said, yeah, "Can we just have one pizza between the two of us, please?" And she was right. We <laughs> couldn't even manage please. it. Yeah. And there was another one where I remember going to this place where they had, I think it was crawfish four ways. And we specifically asked, is that for one person or for two? And she goes, no, no, it's good for one. These two huge platters come out and we just about got through. And and that was the one time where I actually did feel bad because I thought there's just so much that's going to go to waste here. Mm-hmm. And we could have done it between the two of us. Well, it's funny. And I'm American. I'm still, you know, I still reach points where I'm surprised. Last week we were in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I went into the breakfast place and I ordered corned beef with eggs, right? Scrambled eggs and corned beef and potato wedges. This is all like that wasn't separate things. I ordered it all came with this meal. And I was picturing like one scrambled egg, a little a little pile of corned beef and a couple of potato wedges. So I said, can I have a side of bacon? My God, the plate that they brought out to me looked like (laughs) a trash can lid full of food and then another plate with my bacon on it and i just now did you eat it all i ate it all right see there's that though (laughs) because because papa doesn't want to waste anything rude not to damn (laughs) well you see and i think that's why that's why i love it is because we don't have that over here so the the we come over there is just like heaven Right, which is lovely to visit, but not yeah. healthy yes. for your cholesterol nor your like. Well, you body. can come over here to get healthy. Then you that's come right. over here to as get. They, as they taught us in church, heaven, a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> right. You were not listening correctly. But before we wrap up, there is literally just one thing I want to throw at you because I've got a huge list that we didn't go through, so we could probably come back again. And you are definitely going to come back again. But the idea of over here in Britain having washing machine in the kitchen. Oh, what yeah, why do you guys do that? <laughs> Listeners, if you can see the faces, that's the reaction I was I was uh, I was expecting. Do you know what? I don't know. I think it's just always been like our appliances have been in the kitchen because that was the only room in the house where you would potentially have those. I think, you know, I, I don't know. We we don't often have like the, the big, big land house, you know, houses that are built on a lot of land. So not everyone has a utility room. 
Uh, so I'm guessing the kitchen just felt like it was the the place because that's where all the plumbing comes in for, I guess, the, the kitchen sink, etc., the dishwasher. Now, we'll say this, that I scoff at it because it's a new idea for me. However, if I'm likely to get any shit on my shirt, it's going to be me slopping food in my mouth, you know, in the kitchen. Like, like I always wear an undershirt. So first thing I do when I get home is I take off my dress shirt and I, I put it in the wash. And then I walk around in this white T-shirt and I always look down. Oh, there's some barbecue sauce. Oh, there's some olive oil. So maybe this is an idea whose time has come. Well, can I explain to the listeners that the washing machine is literally in our kitchen? We just have a door. So, I mean, but we have the door. So, I mean, it's yeah, really yeah. it's cabinet, dryer, washer, but we just have the pocket door that slides back and forth. So it's not far. So I think you're doing okay. You're basically in the kitchen. I think this is the case in larger cities too. Like in New York, I don't think it's unheard of if you have a washer in the apartment, which a lot of people don't, there's just not the space. But if you do, it's not unheard of for it to be in the kitchen. Never it's heard just of it. never seen that. It's weird. As Floridians, we've always just dedicated extra space. We so I was going to say, would it be utility room or a basement thing? Is that what it would be? Oh, we don't have basements here. No basements here, here friend. Okay. I don't know. I've seen a few programs where they have cellars. Sorry, cellar. Oh <laughs> yes, no, in other parts of the country, but in Florida, we're at sea level. You dig down, you're oh, flooded. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. There's good this point, fun well thing made. Called Florida aquifer. Heard of it? Yes. So yeah, I, you dig down any any considerable amount, you're going to get water. But yes, which, I mean, by clearly the way, in other elevations so they have basements. Basically, an an aquifer is an un- underground river, right? That mm-hmm. flows through porous rock. What if instead of like having the mess of a washer you just dig down you've got flowing water you chuck your clothes down there they get clean you take them out boom done no electricity no fuss no muss we've got the water source right there solved okay so this ladies and gentlemen was my husband's plug for our newest podcast unscrew it up where he offers solutions for everyday problems but also the aquifer is what people bottle. They don't want your barbecue sauce and olive oil business in their bottled water. Flavor. Charge extra. No. Okay. Well, no. now we're on that because I, I, I feel we need to move off because I think this is this is where you, you, you're kind of we're going to fall out now because, you know, the, the looks you gave me when I mentioned about the washing machine in the kitchen, <laughs> I think that felt like a bad move by me right at the end. Now, about your podcast. So do you want to tell us about your podcast? Because I used to always say that Antonio was the busiest person in podcasting but you two are now sort of fighting for that position right oh well, amanda's not fighting for it i just show up and talk and then leave <laughs> i'll do any of the production so what's happening in the world of wilson and their podcasts we have right now we're running three podcasts we have super familiar with the wilsons and that's just us talking nonsense and giving each other quizzes so if you want to know what's happening in our lives that's where you go We have a new podcast called Unscrew It Up, where we give differently twisted solutions to life's little problems. And so the idea is that, like last week, we talked about, um, what did we talk about last week? Personal hygiene. Personal hygiene. And so we gave (laughs) ideas for that. This week, we've just finished recording one on car travel, especially long distance car travel. So coming up with ways to make that more pleasant. So there's that. Unscrew It Up. And then third, there is a two to five minute encouragement slash reflection slash meditation pod that I do with all of my friends. And hopefully Dan will get you on there pretty soon where you just take two minutes in your day, preferably at the beginning of your day. And we give you things to think about to hopefully 
set you in the right frame of mind to be positive all day. And, and that, that one is totally without um, sarcasm. It's it's totally earnest and it's totally um, honest and sincere, which is a very much a right turn for me. But I'm I'm really enjoying doing it. And that's called. That's called. Hey, try this. Okay. And just on that last one, generally, I think it's so important because in a world now, and I was talking to somebody at work about this, and when I say noise, I don't literally necessarily mean decibels of noise, but in a world now that is just so noisy, so so much, um, what's the word? Is it sensory? Um, Overload, yeah. Cacophony. I think it's really valuable and really important to, to kind of just take that time for yourself and, and, and think about those things. So, no, I, I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of all your podcasts, so... Just look for also what was it? Super familiar with the Wilsons. Unscrew it up and hey, try, hey, try this. this. So check those out. From my perspective, thank you both for coming on. I think we're going to have you on again. I, I, I've still I've still got about fifteen things on my list here that we haven't gone through. <laughs> so I apologize. This is the third pod we're doing today, and the first two were ours that were recorded. So I feel like maybe I took over unintentionally. No, 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 no. I think that's why I have guests on is to is to hear the guests, right? So yeah, so. Thank you again for coming on. Um, from me, you can contact me at castingviewspod at gmail.com or at castingviews on Twitter. I've only got the one podcast, so it's easy to find me. So, yeah, take care and speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. If I want your opinion, I will give it to Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed it. Come on. We-